0: Hi, I'm Laura Schofield and I'm the founder of Otto and Ivy, a shoe brand for tall women in sizes 8 to 12. Before launching my business, I worked as a TV presenter and also wrote a fashion blog for tall women like me. It's possible that all we have in common is that we're tall. You might like trance music. You might not like halloumi. We could be absolute polar opposites in so many ways. But I think that lots of us will have shared life experiences because of our height. On each episode of this podcast, I'm going to be talking to a tall person who has lived a very interesting life. I'll be talking to them about their experiences of growing up tall, finding out whether they like being reminded by strangers about their height, and ask them to throw a little bit of life advice our way too. Welcome to Tall Stories with Otto and Ivy. And this is episode one. I am terrified from my head to my toes, but I am joined by the most incredible guest. This is a lady I've been inspired by for a very long time. She is the founder of original tall brand, Long Tall Sally. So she transformed the fashion landscape for tall women. She's also a certified life coach who has helped many people achieve their own goals too. This is Judy Rich. A very warm welcome to you, Judy. Hello, Laura. How's it going? Are you doing okay? I'm feeling okay, ready to rock and roll. But the big question is, how tall are you?
1: Well, when I was uh, running long tall Sally, I always referred to myself as a six footer uh, because that kind of rolled off the tongue. Um, And um, I don't think I ever quite hit the six foot mark. I think it was about 5'11". And now in my elderly years, Uh, I think I've slipped a bit. So I think I would say five foot 10 now. I
0: I thought it was really sweet when I emailed you and I said, I'd love to have you on this podcast. And you said, oh, I'm I'm not really that tall anymore, as if that kind of negated all of the incredible work that you have done for tall (laughs) women. Um, And it, it is, I think, you know, not to sort of sound too antic, because I know people can sound like that on these podcasts, but I don't think there is anyone that has changed the lives of tall women so directly in the way that you have.
1: That feels really good to hear.
0: Yeah. So tell what? me, what your circumstances were just before you founded Long Tall Sally because I can hear in your voice you weren't you weren't born here, were you?
1: No, I'm uh, from the uh, the states, originally from Philadelphia. Um, and be, before I uh, started Long Tall Sally, I had another exciting um, career, so to speak. I was uh, living and working in the Virgin Islands uh, on a charter sailboat and living in a bikini. And, um, and when that part of my life ended, friends of mine invited me to come to London for a while. And because I was between boyfriends and jobs and careers and what to do next, um, I came to London. And, um, you know, through their contacts, I got a job that uh, it was in publishing and it was a proper job and I had to wear proper clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so excited to be in London because I had read about the boutiques and you know the lovely shops and here I was in this big city and I had a desperate time finding clothes to fit me. Um, I'm a trouser girl, I've always worn trousers. I hardly have a skirt in my wardrobe. And when I would go shopping for trousers, even in the most exclusive boutiques on Bond Street, I would have to look to make sure they had a hem so that I could let them down. And it, you know I had no choice of color material, fabric. I just had to go for the hem in other words. And of course, you know I was young, I was wearing jeans. girls' jeans never worked. I'd always have to buy you know men's I have to actually go to the men's rail. And, and shop for you know men's, men's jeans and also i guess this this will give you the flavor of london at the time biba laura ashley kensington market we were all wearing long flowery skirts and things like that you know they always stopped mid kf so so um i don't know i've gotten a bit, a bit off the track laura has
0: that answered your question Absolutely and I think so many people can relate to that as well particularly when there are certain trends whether it be you know big baggy long length full length flares whether it be long maxi dresses and it's it's just impossible to find those things. So what I find incredible though is you managed to pull this off in the day's before the internet, because I can still very much remember growing up without an internet presence. And I honestly sometimes believed that I was the only tall girl in the world. Sometimes that's how it felt. And so when I started my business, I had the benefit of Facebook groups, social media communities, blogs. So I knew that there were other people out there. So how were you so certain that this was something that was needed?
1: You know, Laura, I just had a passion. I had a passion for clothes from the time I was a little girl. I was always making doll clothes and dressing dolls, and you know, I, I, I loved love clothes. Went through a gawky period, which we can talk about later. But um, and I just, I can only say that it was a, a combination of intuition, feminism. And, and just a, a belief that, there, that I couldn't be the only person who, who felt discriminated against. So Long Tall Sally was a crusade for me, um, you know, to, um, uh, to a pioneer. I see myself as a bit of a pioneer, um, you know, to, to make way for other tall women. Because I was in London and I was shopping in boutiques and, you know, be in, you know seeing all these lovely shops, I wanted that for me. I wanted a store where when I walked in, I knew there would be things in there that would fit me.
0: Yeah, so just pure passion. And you just knew if you were going through it as well, there would be other people that would be feeling that way. You capture that feeling so well of, you know, going to a new city. And I, I find I used to find that when I was walking through london i would be looking through windows at shoe shops and all of these beautiful shoes and i know a lot of people might say oh it's it's only clothes it's quite frivolous or it's only shoes but actually my belief is if you've got a job interview to go to or if you've got a presentation to give you don't want to firstly be thinking about what shoes you have to wear and panicking about that. And also if you're wearing something that you feel stylish and you feel comfortable in and you feel like actually fits in with the dress code, because that can be impossible as well. You're going to perform so much better. So I think, is that what you mean when you say feminism? Is that kind of what you mean a little bit?
1: I mean, I mean a bit more of um, a feminist passion. How, you know, that feeling of being discriminated against because I was, not just a woman, but a six foot tall woman. Mm. So I think there was an element of that uh, drive for the six foot tall woman. Uh, I, I mean, clothes in those days, I mean, most, most shops stop, stopped at a size 14. If you were above that, you were an Evans outsized girl. So, um, I mean, I was a 12 at the time. So, you know, it was, it was, that wasn't my issue. My issue was finding beautiful clothes that fit tall women.
0: Yeah. You didn't have a fashion background and you also didn't have Google, presumably, at this time as well. So, where the heck did you start?
1: My background is secretarial administrative, but I was 30 something when I started the business. So, I had years of experience of being tall. It was in my DNA to know what, what was wrong <laughs> with the clothes, you know. So, one of the things that I did was I talked about my idea. And I happened to talk about it to a very good American friend of mine. And he said um, that he had a small amount of money to invest. And he he thought that was such a good idea that he would be happy to invest in it. And so it was getting support like that. First of all, that was huge support because it was not just, I think it's a good idea support. It was, here's some money, you know, to, to get you started. So he sort of helped me. Uh, uh, construct and do what what I was going to do next, but he never did it for me. He always it was it's like life coaching. He <laughs> don't tell people what to do. He kind of just motivated me to do it. And I knew that the um, what was called the rag district, the clothing wholesale business uh, at that time was uh, around the East Castle Street area. And they had showrooms and everything, but it was wholesale; it wasn't retail. So I started there, and I just walked around. And if I saw something in a window that I thought I, that I liked, you know, that um, that I'd like to see in my store, for example, you know, I'd go in and um, ask them if they would make it. You know, tell them my idea. Ask them if they would, um, if it was a shirt, you know, if they would make the sleeves longer and longer in the body. If it was trousers you know, with a, you know, a cut them longer. And um, uh, to, th- to this day, I don't know. I mean, it, that could never happen today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how many, I'm so fascinated by this though, because how many items did you start with then? Did you have a collection? I did,
1: I did. I started with a collection. I started, s- some of the things were um, more expensive, you know, because when I started out, as you know, when you're doing small quantities, you know there there's no um, negotiating on the price, and sometimes you have to pay more for it. So you know that happened to me in the beginning. The store, the items in the store were probably more expensive.
0: What I find truly incredible, though, though you didn't have Instagram, you didn't have Facebook, internet shopping wasn't even a concept. So when I was growing up, I remember there being long-to-sally stores so I could go to Guildford or I could go to Exeter but that was when it was a little bit more established how on earth did you start getting the word out how did how did you make sales
1: first of all the um you know it, it was my first day out on everything and my mentor investor business advisor said to me you have to learn how to write a press release Um, so I, you know, learn, he taught, he, with some guidance from him, he taught me how to write a press release. Um, and, um, so in those days you would send out your press release to the fashion editors on all the newspapers, the national newspapers, um, some radio and TV programs, you could get a list of those. You could get, I remember there was a list. Uh, the, you know PR there were PR companies so you know eventually we did hire a PR company who with with somebody whose job it was to get articles in newspapers and magazines and things but in the beginning I did it all myself and what what was really interesting about that is that at that time too there were also local newspapers Birmingham Post, the Bristol this, the Bath, Chronicle, you know, each city had a newspaper and they would always have a fashion page, you know, as well. A lot of those have gone now and magazines and and with the magazines, when you think of this instant world right now with the magazines, there was a three month lead time. So if you sent them a press release, you know, it had to be about something that was coming out in three months time. You know, you couldn't send them the swimsuit press release in July. You had to send them the swimsuit press release three months ahead of time so that they plan, you know, they were planning their issues that far in advance. So so but it worked. It really worked because for two reasons. One was we were a new story and everybody likes a new story and a fresh story and a um an entrepreneurial story, and 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 there was an, and the clothes were nice, so you know there was an element of fashion to it. So we would get picked up. We would get quite really good press coverage. We never advertised. And the second thing was, the my business advisor investor said you have to do a mail order catalog. And in those days, all these you Know all these smaller retail mail order catalogs, there was nothing like that. A mail order catalog was a big book, Little yeah. Woods, or that like a Sears and Robot catalog, you know, yeah. that, you, that was a mail order catalog. So, we were one of the beginning innovators of doing, you know, um, and in, in the, fir- the first one was a leaflet, I mean, it was nothing more than a three part folder with six items in it, I think. Um, but you know, gradually you've probably had long tall Sally catalogs. I mean, they grew and grew and grew uh, because of the local press. And it was just another story. This company is doing mail order. If you're tall, you can get long jeans.
0: Yeah, and I think so many women loved getting that catalog. I remember that catalog arriving and it was it was like a sort of slimline catalog, but you could sit there with a cup of tea yeah. and you knew that everything would fit you, which was just such a, a wonderful mm-hmm. feeling. So... That was the mail order side. So, in terms of the shops, what was the first shop that you opened? Was that the Chiltern Street one?
1: The Chiltern Street shop was one unit. People who have never seen it, it's a uh, Victorian shopping street with, you know, red brick Victorian four story building above it. So, when I opened, I had one shop. It was about 350 square feet, as I recall. And uh, within a year, a premises across the way, which had three units, became available. And that was probably the biggest step that I can remember ever taking was going from my little shop on Chiltern Street to this big, you know, by that time, the business was flourishing and growing, but a year, year and a half it was probably to this, you know, much bigger space across the street. And then because of the mail order side of the business, we started just to realize, you know, what the market was outside of London. So we thought we'd try. I think, I think Bath. I can't remember which was the first one outside of London. Excuse my my lapse in memory there. But um, our uh, premise was to go for good shopping towns and secondary locations because people would find us. That's the way Children the Shop in London started that way. It's behind Selfridges.
0: So you founded Long Tall Sally in 1976 and you sold it in 2005. Was there a moment when you realised, either during that journey or through the sale of it, was there a moment when you realised that Long Tall Sally had become a success?
1: Um, you know, in the early days, for me, Long Tall Sally would have been a success with my one little shop on Children's Street. And what Long Tall Sally did was that it attracted you know, other, other people in the business, other people who had more experience. And of course, my um, business advisor and the mail order business growing. So, so it kind of had this momentum. I almost say, want to say I was out of control of it. I wasn't, but you know, it grew beyond anything. I mean, any expectations or goals that I had ever had. And it was thrilling. Uh, One of the most, one of the most what came to mind when you asked that question was remembering coming into the London shop on children's street one day and noticing the um, tall women and tall mother and daughter combinations walking down Baker street towards the store. And, you know, I just thought that was a high point for me, you know, that, that I had made it. Um, Every t- and every time we opened a new branch, that was another, when there would be a queue forming that would run down the, the pavement waiting for us to cut the ribbon. You know, I remember looking at that queue and thinking, that is such, you know, it wasn't all stylish, Bond Street kind of shoppers standing there in their, mm-hmm. you know, in their, in their fashion best. It was your everyday person, you know. It was your, I was going to say little old lady. It was your tall old lady. It was your you know, mother, it was the, the mother who had taken time off to come. It was the businesswoman, you know, the, with a young teenager. It was everything. So remember, we had a lot of young people shopping there. So because you were a young shopper.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think as well, a lot of people think of, because um, entrepreneur, the word can sometimes sound a bit sort of Del Boy. And I think a lot of people think that entrepreneurs are, kind of money obsessed and I think actually you almost can't be money obsessed to be an entrepreneur because otherwise you wouldn't take the risks you'd be kind of squirreling it away and the I think for people like you and certainly I feel this as well for those that have tried to fill a need that kind of the profit the money the financial gain is so far down the list of whys and profit is important and and money is important but you it's it's I know personally, it's when I get messages from people that say, oh, I cried when I put these shoes on. And I got one from a, a mum the other day who said, it's so lovely that my daughter, who are tall, can see me not feeling ashamed of my feet. And you just go, oh, my, it's not it's not the numbers in your bank account. It's things like that that make you go, I want to make shoes for you forever.
1: Exactly. I, you notice I didn't mention that, you know, I was successful when I've reached a certain turnover (laughs) you know it was for me it was always about you know the customers and and you mentioned earlier you know those special occasions or knowing when you needed to look good or the job interview or the 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 um uncomfortable teenager coming in for the first time you know and that that was the most rewarding part of the business was seeing tall women blossom Mm. also i mean we could have that conversation about shoes because shoes are such a uplifting so to speak Uh, I don't you know they you know and you you know you look down at your feet and you know it just kind of makes your mood doesn't it I mean and the shoes well I think your shoes are gorgeous so anyhow we won't go down that road but
0: that means a lot to me I,
1: I love and I also love the um on your website where you shoot them on all different kinds of people, all different kinds of women, and all all different kinds of circumstances on the bus and things like that. I like it very much.
0: Lot. Oh, no. oh, thank you. Oh, that that definitely means means a heck of a lot. Um, tell me a little bit about. I mean, you had so many highs, so many successes, opening so many shops. There, there must have been challenges. Was it? Because I imagine for you, it was almost people just not believing that there was a market for it
1: in the beginning many people tried to talk me out of the idea so you know the whole challenge of of um standing behind the brand so to speak you know really believing in yourself and believing in the product and believing that there were others out there that would come to your store and buy your product you know it, it i mean there was an element of risk there was you know you know what that's like you kind of think oh my god and um, so in the early days, yeah, that was challenging. It was. I had to kind of. I don't. I don't know how. I guess I had. <clears throat> I guess I had enough people believing in me uh, that I could make it happen. And and then again, like with you, once you get it going, you know, once you once you take that first step and then the second step. This is a life coaching thing, <laughs> you know, that you um you know the 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 progress has started and you're going to to find your way
0: definitely I think, I think as well it's so good to have those challenges because i've had moments in the business particularly at the beginning where i thought this problem i'm faced with now is impossible there is literally no answer to this this is the end of the world i can't move forward and then somehow, perhaps through sheer belief and tenacity, whatever it is, luck, whatever it is, you get through that and you get to the other side. And you get to another challenge and it looks bleak and impossible. And you think, yeah. no, I've had this before and it was bleak and impossible. Yeah. So know yeah. Everything is figure outable. And I do think that you get stronger as you go along your business journey, don't you?
1: And also, I think in order to do what we do as entrepreneurs, is that you have to have some resilience. Yeah. You know, you have to think, okay, I can make this work. Okay, I'm not taking no for an answer, for example, you know. So there is some kind of resilience, probably driven by passion.
0: I was almost, when I started my business, and annoyingly, I have loads of really supportive friends who were just like, yes, of course you can do this. You'll make it. I was wanting, I was almost seeking out the people that were like, you can't do this. There's not enough people that want that yeah. because it it gives you that kind of fire in your belly. <laughs> it does. Uh, yeah, yeah, it
1: does. Uh, who are you to tell me there's not enough tall women in England? <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you have a favourite Long Tall Sally item that holds treasured memories for you? You know,
1: Laura, you know, Laura, I wish I did. But because I was in the business and active in the business and in the stores and you know, out at suppliers, I had to wear each season's styles. And, you know, we lived in a relatively small house in London. I hardly had a closet. And, you know, so I couldn't retain an enormous wardrobe. So I got very good at recycling my clothes, you know, giving things to friends. And so I just was attached, I think I was attached to the brand more than I was attached to individual items I was attached to the way they made me look and feel you know that I looked well put together um you know as I said I was a trouser person so I probably wore a lot of trousers and jackets and shirts and you know sweaters and things like that occasional skirt um and um I think that was more my attachment so it's it's I, I don't have I don't have one fond item that, you know, c- continued one in my wardrobe year after year. So
0: Gosh, I feel like I could name loads. Yeah, I've got a wax jacket from 10 years ago and I'm going on a little um, country weekend with my girlfriends this weekend. And that's going with me. That's going. <laughs> yeah. um, I remember this. I don't have it anymore. But this like cowl neck black dress that I had for my 16th birthday. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. That's no, what I would you know.
1: hope my customers would say.
0: Oh, lovely. Oh, I was hoping you'd have like a whole wardrobe of, of long, tall, Sally things you'd be able to show me.
1: Uh, I always look forward to the new. <laughs> you and I could spend ages talking about clothes.
0: I know. <laughs> I love loving this conversation. <laughs> I, I I'd love, love to
1: hear them. more about being, what being a customer was like for you. I'd almost like to interview you.
0: Oh yeah, we can we can do that anytime you like. Uh, yeah, no, I I just remember having oh just being able to get full-length trousers was just so lovely. Like long trousers actually skimmed the ground and being yeah. able to go to Mufti Days at school and being able to wear long trousers. Because I remember one year at Mufti Day, I hadn't discovered long tool Sally yet, and I had these like stretchy trousers, and I remember pulling them around the bottoms of my shoes to try and stretch them and, and washing them and then stretching them after the washing and everything. So yeah, it just, it just, it it completely transforms your confidence. You are also a certified life coach with um, many experience helping other people to achieve their goals. We even had a conversation ourselves about 12 years ago. I came to visit your house in London. I was I was—I think I was cheekily interviewing you for my blog, my tool blog at the time, all the tool things. So you were offering a free life coach session, and at the time, I would do anything for a freebie. Um, and we just—but it really, the conversation really, really stuck with me, and I—it was—it was only an hour, I think, that we were talking for, but it definitely triggered something in me and changed my mentality. And I remember at the time because I was asking you about maybe doing more sessions and you were saying, I don't even know if I can coach you because I think you need to start a brand for tall women. And you said it's a conflict of interest for me because I've obviously got, I'm a founder of Long tall Sally. I've got a founding stake in Long tall Sally, but yeah, I think it was, it was you saying you can do it. That was in my head. And I thought, because I respect you so much and what you've done and you've changed the landscape completely for tall women that, that gave me that belief all these years later <laughs> I, I think
1: I, I think as a life coach you are very careful about telling someone they can do it
0: mm-hmm. um you know you uh,
1: probably what I, I I can't remember my exact words Laura but probably what I did was enable you to see that you could do it and 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 I don't know whether that was uh, unveiling the, the passion you had for it, letting you have the space to talk about your dream. Um, you know which how many times do you get to do that in life so you know so so and one of the other phrases I used to say to people in in life coaching was if not now when you know if you have this passion you know if not now when when are you going to do it you know well you went on because you had a, a double or a triple passion including presenting so you know you went on and and took that on board and 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 now is the time that you're doing your your business so uh, and sometimes it takes that long you know I mean one of the things I learned with life coaching is that, you know the change doesn't happen overnight sometimes your job as a life coach is to just kind of set the soil so to speak um people have come back to me like you years later saying I finally did it (laughs) or look where my life has gone
0: yeah uh, and I think yeah. it's, right. it's about sowing that seed because I don't think I was ready and I think that I didn't have the confidence and I think you know you have to when you put yourself out there you and your brand you have to cope with you know people maybe not liking your shoes or or you oh, yeah. know, people returning them because they're not right and I don't think I was thick-skinned enough to deal with that 10 years ago, but 10 years in shopping telly has made my skin like leather. So now <laughs> it's right time to do it. <laughs> uh,
1: that was my, that was like, uh, uh, you know, as I said, I was in my early 30s when I started the business. So uh, that was like my 20-some 20, 20 years of being six foot tall. You know, I had just developed, A, such a, a passion and, not necessarily as a thick skin but you know i was stronger uh you know i put up with a lot of teasing i don't know if you did but you know as a six foot girl i had to put up with a lot of teasing so well um one of the things i also and i probably said this to you is um and i've referred to it in earlier on is to talk about your idea you know i mean you said of course all your friends are really loyal and you talked about it know with them but it helps you in talking about it and taking it from here from your head you know to be able to verbalize it it gives it gives you um more things to think about it gives you and people ask questions so it gives you another perspective another way of seeing it oh yeah i hadn't thought about that you know and if i hadn't said to my businessman friend i have an idea and i'd like to you know where I walked into a store and everything fit me and it was in beautiful fabrics and it was just like a you know a London boutique and you know it was all made for tall women if I hadn't voiced my dream you know I'd still be carrying it around today so
0: and I think yeah I think a lot of people are, are very protective sometimes of their business idea but actually it's takes so much to execute a business idea that people can't just have your idea you you know they're they're, not going to steal it yeah they're not going to steal it you can't just tell them their idea and they're running with it they have to be you they have to have the idea have the passion and have the drive have the tenacity so yeah I, I think you're absolutely right talking about it I remember being about four years ago just before I started researching the business I was in um, I was in a restaurant with a friend of mine who has her own business, she has a uniform business, and she was saying to me, you know, you've talked about doing a, a, a tall clothing business or a tall shoe business, is this still something that you want to do? And I talked to her about it, and I, I was like, I burst into tears when I was talking yeah. about it, because... And and you, it's such a weird feeling, and you don't. I I didn't know how to put one foot in front of the other in terms of how to make progress. But I just knew that if I didn't do this, it was it was going to destroy me. Yeah,
1: and that's one of the things too that's great about life coaching, is when you share that kind of passion idea. You know, this is what I really want to do with my life, not what I'm doing, so to speak, which is often the case. You know, the the skill of a life coach and the the joy of being a life coach is to help that person find the one step at a time what is the first step you have to take even if it's a small step what is it and then holding them to it you know so it's like a hand on the back uh, uh, experience and you know i'm sure you found that in that whole tears and passion and everything once you've kind of settled yourself and started taking steps that you know one step one foot followed the other
0: yeah yeah I think having a a life coach to keep you accountable as well is yeah. it, is really useful even if you only see them once and then get back in touch with them 12 years later like me yeah <laughs> <laughs> just like, Got it. thanks by the way <laughs> um but you did it your way too Laura yes exactly yeah. I did do it my way and it, you know it's really interesting hearing you talk about earlier on just going right back to when we were saying, um, you knew that there were other women out there because you'd lived that life. It was your own lived experience. And I remember because I I had never set foot inside a shoe factory. I had no <laughs> experience of creating and making shoes. I didn't know what a last was. I didn't know what a vamp was. I'm not exaggerating here. I knew nothing.
1: Oh, that's so like me. I love that side of your story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea, I, but I luckily had Google, you didn't. So I at least could have a look at that. Why I'm so impressed by you doing it in the 70s. But I remember experts meeting a lot of shoe experts, and I felt like I had to pay sort of footwear technologist money and shoe experts money. And they were saying to me, I was putting the shoes on, and I said, Oh, no, this doesn't feel right. I'm a 43, and this is a little bit tight. And they were going, No, no, that's right. That's correct. That's the way we do it. And I at no, I've tried other shoes like this. This isn't right. And I let them in the early stages kind of dictate things to me. And actually I realized afterwards, no, I'm my customer. Yes, they're brilliantly experienced in their industry, but this yeah. is my lived experience. This is my life and I am my yeah. customer. So when my customers try on my shoes, they're having the same experience as me. So I'm the person that can dictate it. Yeah. I think I've only learned that to have that confidence over the last sort of three or four years uh-huh. building. building. Um, I used to try everything on too. Yeah, I used
1: to work it, work it around because I was a 12 at the time, so a size 12. Um, you know, and I would obviously they would, I, I don't even know whether they cut. I used to think that all the manufacturer needed to do was cut, you know, when he was cutting down the sleeve was to cut two more inches on it. Mm-hmm. um you know i i had never started to i would i could sew but and i had done obviously sewing for myself and i knew about patterns but i didn't realize that they'd have to do a whole new set of patterns and you know in the early days the manufacturers often made our things in their sample room because the quantities were were so small they didn't even bother sending them to the factory so yeah yeah I do have a wonderful long tall Sally story to tell. I know we're running out of time.
0: No, not at all. You you go for it. As long as you... this, is, this,
1: is, this was one of the ones told by a manufacturer, just a charming man. And he said, I remember I remember you coming in. This was when the business was flourishing. And he was a major retailer of coats. And I remember saying, Could you do 40? <laughs> Which would have, you know, been like 10 for each store or something, you know, like that. And um he said that in a way I charmed him, you know, in a way he loved the whole concept, but you know they were a big manufacturer why how would they do 40? And so he went to his um, production manager, you know and they he he, he got behind me, in other words, so he went to his production manager and, and said, I really trust in this woman blah, 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 blah. And I would say, within three or four years, we were ordering 400 easily to begin with of that coat. And he used to love telling that story uh, because we became almost one of his biggest retailers other than the big department stores and things like that. So, but, uh, you know, so it it, it, um, it worked out for the people who supplied me as well.
0: It's lovely that he believed in you from the beginning, but it's, it's really funny how differently people treat you once you're selling. So yes. you know, when you first go into a factory, they go, Oh yeah, whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah. can I can you just take me 50 of these or however many when yeah. you and then and they take ages to get back to you and, yeah. you know, like, and then they,
1: they tell you to pay in advance.
0: Yeah. And it takes forever. And they're like, oh, there's yeah. gonna be another delay. And then when you call back the week later and say, I've sold them, can I order some more? So, <laughs> suddenly they're back on the phone a lot quicker. So it's yeah. it's lovely that they believed in you. And it's it's nice as well to be able. To, to benefit their businesses too. And, and you know, yeah. yes, they believed in you enough to do 40, a run yeah. of 40, and now they're doing runs of hundreds. So, yeah. I think,
1: I think that was another one of the times when I realized we were successful, when manufacturers, you know, would, would let people know that they made things for Going to Sally. Mm. You know, that, that, that we were one of their outlets, in other words, for merchandise. So that also felt very successful.
0: Well this is, this has been amazing. I could honestly talk to you all day and I'm so grateful that you you have Uh, let me have this conversation because when I decided to do this podcast there was one person in my mind immediately that I wanted to speak to and it was you so thank you so much and at the end of each podcast as I say you are the guinea pig but my plan is to ask my guests to read a letter to their tall teenage self and I know this is absolutely right up your street as a life coach um, and you've written something special so I'd love to hear it.
1: Okay, Um, and before I read it, I just want to say that it was a pleasure, Laura, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to reminisce. You know, it's a a gift. It was a real gift. So anyhow, here is my letter to 13-year-old Judy. Dear 13-year-old Judy, it will not always be like this. You will not always be an ugly duckling, flapping around in the six-foot body you hate trying to look and be like others so much smaller than yourself. Do not hunch. One day, you will lift your long creamy neck and sail gracefully down the river of life. You will be admired and loved. You will trade the unflattering crinlins in the full skirts of the 1950s for styles that will allow you and your other swan-like creatures to dazzle and delight. Beautiful dresses to flatter your curves, long elegant trousers and jeans just for long legs. You, Judy, will create long tall Sally. The sense of humor you have developed as a defense will mellow and you will embrace the world with confidence and grace. It is not just your physical self that you need to nurture now. Inside is a creative and resourceful soul. Let her shine.
0: Oh, thank you that was so lovely and I think so many people as well that are listening that are still struggling with their height that will really resonate with them so well I
1: don't know I mean I was 13 when I was six foot tall so you know I don't know and yeah. that's that you know I, that's a really tough tough thing. it's easier now a little easier I think but it was really tough in those days
0: mm. uh, do you still feel tall? Because I'm six foot one and I I don't, I'm not as conscious of it. I don't even feel as, as tall anymore.
1: Uh, no, and I mean, that's why when you uh, asked to interview me and I said, oh, I'm not really tall anymore, is that I now, I mean, when I go into a Long Tall Sally store, cause I you know, used to go into Children's Street when it was still open. I mean, I, I used to feel like, why am I here? <laughs> you know all there were all these wonderfully tall six foot six foot one six foot two you know and slightly shorter but I really it made me feel short (laughs) it's a very unusual feeling
0: Oh. oh well you've made all of those women very very happy so thank you ever so much Judy it's a pleasure to speak to you
1: and it was great to talk to
0: you Laura Oh, well done. Well okay. done. It was a good podcast. You can push stop now. Oh, I just absolutely loved having that chat. And it's a conversation I've wanted to have for so long now. So. Thank you so much for listening to that. And I do hope you enjoyed it. I must apologise. There were obviously a few sound issues. This is my first rodeo. (laughs) So I shall be making some amendments. So please bear with. Um, But if you did enjoy it, I would really appreciate it if you could rate and review it um, where you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to find out more about my business, then you can head to ottoandivy.com or you can follow on Instagram or Facebook at Otto and Ivy Shoes. Thank you so much, and I'll uh, see you next time for more tool stories. Bye-bye.